0: Or listen, all the youth, I'm not really a youthy preacher. If you sit next to somebody who bugs you, remember I'm getting youthy, so just hold on a second. If you sit next to somebody that interrupts you, bugs you, pulls your hair and pass notes, hello, y'all look, at you listen it, then move. Because I'm going to bring it, and I didn't study for hours to bring you the message I'm about to bring to you, to, to, for you to go all texting and stuff. If you're here just for social, then you can, you know, get it after, or leave. All right? And I am the type that will embarrass you. I am the type that will stomp on your cell phone. You're on my property. Praise God. I hereby, I hereby declare no texting in church. Amen. Alright? It's forbidden. Turn your cell phone off. Put it on silent. Do something. This is going to help you maybe save your life. Somebody say praise God. Alright. Luke 22. Take your Bibles. Turn there. Luke 22. Starting in verse 39. Reading through verse 46. Are you all there? Good. Let's read. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Where'd He go? Mount of Olives. And His disciples followed Him. On reaching that place, He said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Everybody say it. All the youth also. Pray that you may not fall into Good. Pray that you may not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw from them, knelt down and He prayed, Father... so that you will not fall into temptation. Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray. Brother Haggerty, come and light it up for for prayer here for the anointing.
1: Hallelujah, Lord God, we thank You for the privilege to be in Your house tonight, God. Lord, we thank You for Your Spirit that is in this place, and we thank You, God, that as we come before You right now, as we open up our hearts and our spirits and our ears, Lord God, to hear what You have to say to us tonight. Lord, I pray just as Paul prayed in, uh, when he wrote to the, to the, uh, the believers in, in Ephesus, The Lord God, You would open up the eyes of our understanding. The Lord God, we would begin to see and know You more. We would begin to see and understand more about You. The Lord God, we would begin to understand, Lord, I pray specifically, that we would begin to understand, Lord God, how much You want to be active in our lives. How much, Lord God, You want to impact us. How much You want to change us. How much you want to do a miracle in our lives and let it begin tonight. So Lord God, we just position ourselves before you. We just put ourselves in position to hear from what heaven tonight, what you would have to say to us. Anoint Pastor Daniel as he brings forth this word in your precious and most holy name. Amen.
0: Amen. I had to drink something because I was in trouble. You may be seated. I do have notes that we've worked up for you, so go ahead and fill those in as we move along. There are two gardens in history that all of history revolves around. Everybody say, two gardens. One is the Garden of Eden, and the other is the Garden of Gethsemane. And tonight, as we read the story about how it happened that Jesus is in Gethsemane, I want you to fully understand what that means. To fully understand what Gethsemane meant for you and me. And to fully understand that, you need to understand fully Eden, if you can Eden, what is Eden? Eden is the garden that's in Genesis. Genesis 3 talks about it. Adam and Eve were in a perfect world. Perfect. Everybody says perfect. Yet, they sinned. They blew it. The world was perfect. We make lots of excuses for why we mess up and can't live for God now because the world's not perfect. Baby, they had it perfect and they messed up. Bad, bad excuse. Gethsemane was where Jesus was, and He was in a fallen world, facing death, yet He did not sin. What's amazing in both of these gardens is the temptation's the same. The temptation's the same. In both gardens, the temptation was to disobey. Was to what? To disobey. The level of disobedience is very different. You see, Adam and Eve had no need. They had no need. They had no lack. They had food. They had everything that they needed in the Garden of Eden. And yet, they fell into temptation, failed, and brought the curse upon all of mankind. They walked with God. They they talked with God. They, They had dominion. They saw something that looked good and pleasurable, and they chose to listen to this serpent and were deceived. And we'll tell you tonight, as I preach a message to you from the series intended for victory, we can overcome temptation. I know that all of us face temptation. If you're breathing, you face temptation. Temptation to pride, temptation for lust, temptation for greed. Everybody faces temptation. Every single person on the planet faces temptation. But we can overcome. Come on, somebody say, we can overcome temptation. It is God's intention for you intention for you, to walk in victory all of your life. And in order for us to walk in victory, we're going to have to be able to overcome temptation. And what the enemy does, what he did in the Garden of Eden, he does today. He begins to tempt you with, with an idea or a lie that you think you need something that you don't have. Let me say that again. He tempts you with, a, with a, this lie that you don't have what you really need. See, what you really need is more money. What you really need is another girlfriend, because your other one wasn't good enough. Or another boyfriend. What you really need is a husband. What you really need is fill in the blank. What you really need is, is a house. What you really need is a, is a healthy family. What you really need, I'm going to tell you, the enemy comes to speak to tell you that you don't have what you need. That lie motivates the economy. That lie fills political halls and runs politics. That lie that the enemy sets up will set you up, if you yield to it, for temptation and will cause you to lose. That's why contentment's a marvelous thing. Adam and Eve Eve grabbed for something. They believed this lie. If you go and you look at it, the enemy, the serpent, spoke to them and said, if you eat from the fruit, then you'll be like God. You know what the joke of it is? You know what the joke of that is? They already were. They were already made in His image. And He caused them, He fooled them that's the irony of it. Here, eat the apple and you can be like God. Jack, they already were like God. They named all the animals. They were made in the image of God. In fact, if you really look at Adam and how he was he was representing God on the earth, he was like God's representative. And then when he walked in the garden, the the, the creation would be like, ooh, here comes God. Oh, it's Adam. That's how strong and how big and how... How powerful they were. And, the, and they had one thing that they, didn't, they couldn't do. Just one thing they weren't allowed to do. And that was eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's the very thing that they did. Adam and Eve grabbed for something that they didn't even need. Now on the opposite end, Jesus had to overcome a part of His humanity. We're talking about the two gardens. We're talking about how God has intended you to win. And we all face temptation. How do you overcome temptation? In the Garden of Eden they failed. They, they were lied to by the serpent that they needed something that they really already had. Don't talk to the devil. You see Eve talking with him, he's a liar. And and Jesus faces a temptation in his own humanity, which is which would be what I would call self preservation. Lord, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He faced what many face. I mean, it's just within you as a human being the, the need for self preservation, the fight or flight syndrome. If you ever get put in a position where you're almost about to die, I've been in that place. I will tell you, you get strength from you don't even know where it came from. You have, you have, I mean, you have every one of your neurons fire. I mean, you could be exhausted and all of a sudden, boom. I've been driving at night and almost crashed. Uh, and when I when I wake up after hitting the zzzz, zzzz, this electric shock goes through me, I'm good for another forty five minutes. It's probably time to pull over and get some coffee. But there's a self preservation that kicks in that's a part of you. Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he faces self preservation. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Come on. Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Help me out. Thank you, Jesus. I got extra Bibles. Come on. You don't know where it is? It's just the same as every other book. It's got a table of contents. Look right in the beginning. Turn to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians. Turn there. Quickly, quick. Hurry up. Hurry up. If you're all there, say amen. Okay, I gotta get there. I don't need a Bible. I remember when I I was in a mental hospital once visiting, and uh, what? While I was there, pulled my Bible out, and this guy says, "What's that?" I said, "It's a Bible." He goes, "Oh yeah, I read that." I, I thought it was hysterical. I pull out a Bible. The guy says, "What's what's what book is that?" I go, "It's a Bible." He goes, "Oh yeah, I read that before." 1 Corinthians chapter 10, turn there. How Jesus overcame gives us insight as how we can overcome. Listen, all of you youth, young adults, adults, kids, people of all ages and nationalities. You don't have to fail. You don't have to fail. The golden carrot can be waved in front of you. And you don't have to be a deer in the headlights waiting for impact. You can overcome. You do not have to yield to temptation. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. First Corinthians 10, verse 11. These things happened to them as examples. Are you all there? Jack, you better get your Bible out, buddy. I'm talking to you. Yeah. What? Oh, uh, uh. Get your... Well, you memorized it. We, we need another one? Are we out? Come on. All right. He's fine. He's finding it for you. All right. Preacher, you called to preach. You called to preach. Better carry your word. Amen. Don't shout me down, church. That's good preaching. Come on. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you got to hide it in your word that you might not sin against him. Come on. All right. Yeah, the Word. You can't very well get the book in there physically, but you can memorize it and it will save you in a time of trouble. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. These things happen as examples were written to them and passed down to us as warnings to us unto whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Verse 12. So if you think you stand firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man and God is faithful. He's What? Faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When you read this scripture, there's no pity parties. There's no, there's no excuses. Because whenever you face something that's overwhelming for you in the area of temptation, there is a escape hatch. There is a way out. There is a, I don't know what the, what do the pilots call it? They, they pop the seat. The lid comes off and you get launched. The t- yeah, there's a trajectory seat in every temptation. See, there is? Yeah, there is. What God is saying, that He's written the Scriptures and given you example of people who have failed. And then He's saying, look, I am a faithful God. And when you face things that, that every human being has faced, it's common. Whatever temptation you're facing, they have been. People have faced that before. And sometimes we think, "Oh, it's too big for me." You know, this thing's so massive. Nobody's been through the temptation that I'm going through. Shut up! Yeah, everybody has. Maybe not everybody, but somebody. And God says right here that He makes a way of escape. He'll always provide you. And then what it says to me? What that says? Watch this now. Watch all the youth. Everybody, you online. Pay attention. Hey. Podcaster, listen up. What that says is, if God makes a way of escape, when I fail, it's because I chose not to take the way. That means that when I fail, it's because I've made a choice to choose not to look for the way out and take it. He says, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it either. But that's the reality of the Word. Because it puts weight on you. That you have a choice. Bubba. Jethro. Brother, sister, we all have a choice. Brethren, beloved. We have a choice. And when we face temptation, there is a way out. And if you don't choose it, don't look for it. and Don't take the the trajectory seat. Don't pull the escape hatch. Don't take that. Then you've chosen to fail. Well, we don't like that because we like to think that there's this bigger force. It's the devil! Look, no matter what you're facing, man, God can help you get out of that thing. You can't understand how to overcome temptation. You understand really God's faithfulness to make a way out for you. His intention for you is win, not to fail. Sometimes I used to think I'd face all these things. God, don't you love me that you're putting these things in front of me? I realize there's a very bad devil. And he's been given he's given us something that's called the glory of man. It's called choice. That he, he you choose. You have a choice. Look, if you want to choose to have a junk life, you can't blame your mama, you can't blame your pop, you can't blame your church, you can't blame anybody if you if you choose to have a bad life. Now, you might have had one up until this point But today is the first day of the rest of your life, and you don't have to continue to make choices that are stupid. Okay, there might be... Look, I, I know what it is to fight. He's trained my hands for battle. He's trained my hands for war. I've had some instant deliverance. And don't... Look, all you youth, look at me for a second. Don't tell me, oh, you're a Christian boy. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. Jack, I crawled out of a stinking dumpster in Seattle. I've been through some stuff, man. I know what it is to resist. I know what it is to have a spirit of lust, to try to overcome all of that. I've been through hell, baby. I've been through hell. So don't tell me you can't win. You can. I'm here to testify along with a whole bunch of other people that you can overcome. You can have a good life. Stop blaming the fact that you were bottle-fed instead of breast-fed. Stop blaming the fact that you came from a bad family what We all came from just dis- remember I'm youth in it right? We all came from dysfunctional families and I know you might have gone through some horrible things. And for that I am sorry. But there must come a day in your life when you say, you know something? I ain't going to pass this on and I'm not going to live beneath my God-given birthright. God's got something for me. I'm going to step up and fight. I'm not going to roll over play dead. Devil, you're sorry that you came up on my case because I'm going to whoop up on you now. I'm going I'm conquer. I'm going to I'm going to win. I don't know about you, but I am very much into winning. I don't like losing. I'm not into losing. I'm not a loser. And God has placed within all of us a desire to overcome. When you're tempted, look for that escape. Now, on that foundation, there's three things here in the text that would give us insight of how to overcome. If so we look at the life of Jesus, first of all, He prayed. Say it and write it. He, he prayed. Say it again. He what? He prayed. Now, that's fascinating to me. God, the fullness of God, dwelling inside of man, fully God, fully man, prayed. If Jesus prayed, baby, I think we ought to have a prayer life. The Apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament, raised the dead, healed the sick, set the captives free, did the works of Jesus. He said, join me in my struggle as I pray. He prayed. If you're going to overcome temptation, you're going to have to pray. And let me tell you this. What is prayer? We say prayer is communication with God. Pastor, wrong. It is not. Oh, well, that might be an aspect of it. But prayer is not just communication with God. If you're going to write it down, everybody got notes? Right? Prayer is communion with Him. Prayer is communion. That's different than just talking to Him. That's different than just hearing from Him. Communion. There's an interaction between you and God. God in you. He's walking with you. He's living on the inside of you. He comes upon you with His Spirit. It's different than just talking to Him and Him talking back. It's communion. It's abiding. There's an awareness that the more time I spend with God, the more I know Him. If you're going to overcome temptation, you're going to have to pray. Jesus prayed. He what? He prayed. You're going to have to pray. But it's not... Now I name me down to sleep. I pray to Lord my soul to keep. It. And if I die before, it's not that. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's cute and all th- everything. No wonder kids have nightmares. You know, but that's not going to get it. You know, when you're looking at this huge temptation, it's going to be a communion with God. It's going to be, Jesus prayed, He communed with the Father. You're going to need to commune with Him. I'm not quite sure what that means. Keep coming. Keep getting discipled, get into realities classes, get in small groups, keep coming to church, keep having hands laid on you, develop relationships of accountability, keep asking hard questions, don't stop coming. Come on, if you stink, you get in a shower, I hope. Right? Okay. Well, you got to keep getting under the spout where the glory comes out. you got to keep coming to church. you got to keep growing in the things of God. And when you do that, you'll begin to develop a walk with God, a communion with Him. It's more than just talking at Him. God, help me. Okay, and you move on. Ongoing communion with Him. The more you spend time with Him, the more that you will know Him, and the more strength that you will receive in your spirit. You have a spirit man, and your spirit man will not grow unless you feed yourself with the Word and you pray, commune with God. Now I'm going to tell you something. You are a spirit with a body, not a body. Listen, read my howly lips. Read my Caucasian lips. You are a spirit with... A body, not a body with a spirit. You are not a body having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. I am a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. See, you think of yourself, I'm more spirit than I am a physical body. You don't think of yourself as just having a spiritual experience. You are mostly spirit. And when you die, this stuff's toast. You'll get a glorified body. My daughter said, Hey Dad. I said, What? What do you think the glorified body looks like? That's pretty cool. I said, Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know. That's awesome. Gotta commune with them. And I'm convinced if you look at two, if Adam and Eve had talked with God, if they'd communed with God about what the serpent said, I'm convinced that they wouldn't have fallen. Can you imagine can you imagine eve hey lord abba hey dad hey dad um this creepy snake thing was telling me that I should eat that and it, you know it really looked good and I, you know I just wanted it. did you change your mind or anything oh no I'm not a man that I should lie I do not change there is no shadow of turning in me no <laughs> he's really upset because he tried to take over and I kicked him out and you just have to take authority over him but she didn't do that She listened to Him. She parlayed with Him. She talked with the devil. Jesus prayed. He yielded His will to God. Look at verse 42. Luke 22. 42. Father... If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. We're talking about overcoming temptation. It's a very fascinating phrase, but it suggests that that Jesus had a will. Now, do you think it's like, what do you mean Jesus had a will? Jesus' will was the will of the Father. (laughs) Yes, because He yielded it. You see, He had a 100% humanity. His flesh, His body, His humanity didn't feel like getting crucified. So he just figured he'd take it to prayer one more time. Hey, uh, dad, you know, i um, you know the old crucifixion thing? Yeah. If, if, you got another way, maybe? Why? Because he doesn't feel like getting crucified. It suggests that Jesus has a will in, in, in his humanness that's apart from the Father. But here's the thing. He didn't yield to it. He didn't yield. It's not sin to, to have a, a, a desire or, or a heart that's, Something that's outside of the perfect will of God. It is sin to yield to that temptation. Jesus didn't do it. And believe me, He wanted to. Part of it. One of the problems is that our will is, is, (laughs) is that we have one. (laughs) We have a will. And He said, well, couldn't God just like make it, like, what, what, you know, how come He had to make us a will? How come I have to have choices? Write it in the notes, we're not robots. We have a choice, a will. You know, many times and I'm witnessing, I people say this to me if God is all powerful and he's all good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Then I answer that stupid question by saying this. That basically God's given us a choice. And God could get rid of all evil right now. He'd just have to kill everybody. We'd all drop dead and there'd be no more war. But God doesn't, God doesn't do that. In order to have love, real love, there's a choice. In order to have real love, it's what? It's what? It's a choice. And love waits. Let me, look, let me tell you something. He says that He loves you. What's our, what's the youngest we got here? Let me see how hard I can hit it. Oh, I see a little one. I'm going to be more gracious. Maybe if we're at youth camp, I'd haul off and hit you in the Holy Ghost. But since we have some little ones, I'll I'll, I'll stay more gracious. Help me, God. Come on, all you intercessors, start praying. Love waits. And that whole thing, if you love me, then you be with me, is, a, is the biggest stinking lie ever. If you love me, you wait. We ought to do another purity series. Look, lo- love is a choice. Adam and Eve chose to sin. Look, love is, not a, love is not in a vacuum. You're not made to do anything. How, how insane How crazy is this? If a man who's longing for, for relationship, or a woman for that matter, longing to have a a relationship with somebody who can talk with them and, and say that I love you, goes out to Walmart. Watch this now. How insane is this? Goes to Walmart and buys a small rubber G.I. Joe or G.I. Jane or whatever, and it has one of those strings that you pull on the back. And it goes, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then he just goes home and pulls the string. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you too, baby. Oh, yeah, holding his doll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Yeah. Is that love? No, that's insanity. But that's what people say. Well, if God really loves us, then he just not give us a choice. He just choose to love it. <laughs> No, no. it's choice is, is the glory of man. And when you choose to love somebody, when you don't feel like it, then that's love. When you choose to go to a cross, when you feel like doing something else, it's the love of God that kept Him on the cross for you and me. Love is a choice. If He made you a robot, that's not love. What are we talking about? We're talking about overcoming temptation. And we all have a choice. Look at two. Our will has been affected by evil, so that even in doing our will, we can bend to Satan's will. Let, let me tell you what I mean by that. We are so we're such a fallen part of you that you could even think you're doing the will of God and actually be yielding to evil. The depths of evil is is, is huge. That's why we need each other. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for His Spirit. And I was talking to somebody, tremendously gifted artist not in our church, but they love the Lord, there's only one problem. They they will not read the Word ongoingly and obey it. So the way that they live their life is purely by what they feel to be the move of the Spirit. There's only one problem. The move of the Spirit is sometimes God and sometimes it's Satan. And so they end up with this life that's confused, tormented, and perplexed, and wondering where God is. They've just removed the Word. You've got to have the Word. And and if you can think that you're, I don't know about you, man, but a few years ago, I thought I'd have my whole family figured out what happened, the divorce, why the divorce happened. I thought I understood my dad. I understood my mom, all the roles and everything that happened. I thought I understood all of that stuff. I thought I understood it all. So there I was, trying to, had it all figured out why my family was all jacked, okay? Had it thought I had it figured out. And I've settled with it. It was all right. I just walk on chairs to make sure you guys aren't texting or anything. (laughs) Thought I had it all figured out. And then probably five, six years ago, all of a sudden I realized everything that I would have bet my life on that was true was a lie. I didn't understand it at all. And now that I'm in my 40s, I go, oh my gosh. Everything I knew was true. I mean, not necessarily everything, but many things I knew were true weren't true. And everything changed before me. So how do you know you're right now? I don't. How much I don't? I just only think that I do. I believe that I do. Would you bet your eternal salvation on it? No way. I figure I was wrong before. I might be wrong again. One thing I'm not wrong on. Jesus died for me, rose again, and I'm saved. I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to obey His word. And so, you know, all of the rest of that is, is like a little gray. It's good to have revelation. Are you following me? Are you guys getting anything here? You're you're you being you having a, the soul that sinneth shall die. I mean, we have there's evil that wants to manipulate and bend us. That's why we we've, we've got to know His world His word. We have got to know His will. We've got to pray. Now into that whole mess comes Jesus. And it gives us hope. If you look at verse 43, this passage gives us hope number 3. D, He had supernatural help. Now, if you hadn't been paying attention, you're about to. He had supernatural help. Jesus prayed and an angel came. When you pray, I am convinced of this. And I have had it It happen in my life more than once, but I will tell you one story. I'm convinced that when we pray and we're facing temptation, that even in the midst of that, God will make an escape. That God will give us a trajectory seat. God will make an escape hatch. God will make a way of escape. In, one, in other words, no matter what your temptation is, He makes a way out. And for me, I was in off of Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Wolf, Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. I had given my heart to Jesus. My mother led me to the Lord. Actually, it was really a, a recommitment. I was in a lot of trouble. I was a young man. I had a lot of bondages. My mother had led me back to Christ. and She said this to me. Son, don't you go back to that slop that God's bringing you out of. It, because if you do, it'll be seven times worse. And when she said it, it burned in my heart when she said it. I spent three days under the power of God in Malibu, California. My brother brought me down to the Pacific Ocean and baptized me again. I had been baptized before that, but I needed another one, believe me. Baptized me. and I came up drunk in the Spirit, who brought me back to his house. I slept and read the Word for three days straight. I'm on the way to the airport, got in a taxi, and I got jumped by... By a devil, basically. I'm convinced. I just got overwhelmed, and not to get into all the details, but I ended up in a situation where all of a sudden my life was in danger, and I was I was right on the very edge of losing my life, and in that moment, standing a bunch of bunch of people that I should not have been standing will, with, at about four in the morning in, in, in the Wilshire Downtown district of Los Angeles, I realized in a flash. You're about to die. And the fear of God came on me. And before I could get stabbed, kid you not, I ran. I could, I could almost, I, 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 I'm convinced that the Spirit of God was on me in such a way that it was run. And when I ran, it was like I, just, I turned and I just got missed from getting slashed. I ran. I ran down the street. This is a true story, surely as God lives. I ran down the center of Wilshire Boulevard at four in the morning, no traffic, street lights, three guys chasing me, running as fast as I can. And I wasn't slow back then. I was fast. They were faster. And as I was running, and they didn't quit, they didn't let up, and they started getting my shirt. I don't, you, you, you ever play tag? I mean, the guys almost got you. You know what I'm talking about? Almost got me, grabbing my shirt. And this comes through my mind. My mother, my mother's voice. If you go back, it'll be seven times worse. I mean, that is what's going through my mind when I'm running. And I'm like, Jesus! I mean, I cried out. I couldn't run anymore. They've almost got me. Kid you not, my experience is this. Time stopped. Literally, time slowed way down. Like a, like a flash of a movie a car pulled next to me with an Asian man. It was a 1970 Dodge Dart green mint condition. You know, they were cheap back then, but this thing was clean. It was perfect, in fact. And this Asian man, what? you know, this is still happening, but time stops. Asian man just smiles at me, and he, he just smiles at me. And when he smiled at me, I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. I was supposed to jump on the hood of his car. And to hold on to the the windshield wiper, so I did. I jumped on the hood of the car, and I, I what's one of the vivid things for me, is that when I jumped on the hood of the car and I held the windshield wiper, my face I can feel it now on my face went down on the hood of that Dodge Dart. All oh, this peace came over me, and and I was just surrounded by light. I was all time stopped. Can't tell you what happened after that. I can tell you what happened. To my next remembrance was that I was standing. I, I remember sort of waking up, getting off of the hood of the car, getting down back on the on the street, looking at this radiant angel. It's an angel, I believe. A radiant Asian angel, probably sent from Hawaii because that's where I was going to go. He smiled at me and he said. God bless you son and I said God bless you and he drove slowly off and I looked back to where we had come from and I was in a completely different part of Los Angeles completely totally different place I turned back to look at the car there was no car and I just went oh God thank you Jesus
1: (sighs) Oh, you saved
0: me again. There is supernatural help that will come for you. Supernatural help if you'll call on Him. There is no temptation that has seized you, except that which is common to man. Everybody goes through it. If it's a temptation to hit your wife, you can overcome. If it's a temptation to do drugs, you can overcome. If it's a temptation to be lazy and not do your homework, you can overcome. And if you'll pray, God will send you help. Supernatural help. We're confronted by this passage as I bring this to a close. We'll all face temptation just as the disciples... We're called to pray, so are we. Your life, your prayer life will determine whether you are an overcomer or not. Let me say it again. Your prayer life will determine whether you are an overcomer or not. We talked about it recently. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for your faith. Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. The enemy wants to sift you and I, absolutely wants to sift you. But if you stay in the secret place of prayer and you abide in the shadow of the Almighty and you walk with Him, He will show you the way of escape when the temptation comes and you'll be able to overcome all of your life. You won't crumble before the enemy. You'll rebuke Him. You'll walk in power. You'll walk in authority. Listen, if you don't pay the price to, pay, to pray, listen to me, listen, listen. <laughs> If you don't pay the price, which is putting your flesh down, putting it, look, I believe in tithing. I also believe on tithing your time. I think you should pray at least two hours a day. 24 in a day? At least two plus. Spend time with them. It's reasonable, isn't it? Here it says, can you not tarry for an hour? He says to his disciples. If you don't pay the price, listen to me, listen, you don't pay the price to get intimacy and communion with God, you will pay. And it won't be the kind of price you want to pay. It'll be the loss of so much. We have crippled heaven with our prayerlessness and seen a whole generation go off to hell in a handbasket because there's not been a real communion. And I mean real communion. I'm not talking about religion and a relationship with a bunch of rules. Don't do this. The Word says this. Don't do that. Shut up. Please. Please. I'm not mocking the Word. You've got to have that. But if that's all you have, that is a miserable walk. Oh, no. I'm just going to obey. Now, how about just fall in love with them? Do the first commandment, and just the rest are easy. <laughs> you know, just get crazy in love with God. What if I mess something up? Look, God's not a bean counter. Strain a gnat to swallow a camel for God's sake. That religious spirit, I hate it the stench in the nostrils of God, and it rips people off. Listen, youth, I'm not trying to get you to obey a whole bunch of rules. Don't come here to try to learn a whole bunch of rules that you have to obey them. Are you saying we don't have to obey rules? Well, listen, there are rules, and if you break them, you'll get the consequences, no doubt. But there's there's a deeper view of this thing. Why would you yield to temptation when you can have the real thing from heaven? All right, I'm almost done. Matthew 20, in Matthew 24 and Mark 16, we see Jesus took the, the, the inner three and He tells them to, to, to pray. He reproves them after they've fallen asleep with the words, Could you not pray with me one hour? Wow. That phrase rings out over and over to the church. Can you not pray? Can you not pray? Will the Son of Man find faith when He returns? Can you not pray? If we're going to be the kind of overcoming church that walks in the victory that's been intended for us, we must be a people of communion and prayer. Jesus exhorts His disciples to pray. Three times He does it in the Gospels. and It's it's like Him saying to the church, Come on, pray. I'll help you. You can overtake. You can overcome, but you've got to pray. The problem is that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Oh, somebody say, Jesus, help me. Two more points. We must all see life as fulfilling God's will. God wants you to fulfill His will. And the last thing is that because Jesus overcame, so can you and I. What Jesus did, you can do. We can overcome temptation. You get something from Jesus, Micah? Would you come stand up on your feet? Come on, Lord, we love you and and bless you. I pray for those. There are those here. Word of knowledge. There are those here that are like a yo-yo. You go back and forth. You fail. You succeed. You fail. You succeed. You yield to sin. You go and then you come back to God. You yield to sin. You come back. You can. You don't have to be a yo-yo. You don't have to be a spiritual yo-yo. You can walk in freedom. You can have victory over temptation. It can help you. You just take these notes home. Jesus understood what it is to, to be tempted. On all points, and yet did not sin. Holy Spirit, come upon your people right now. every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with Him. Nobody moving around. Nobody walking around. Service is almost over all across this place. You want to give your heart to Jesus. For the first time or recommitment, just slip your hand up. Wave your hand at me. Anybody. You want to get right with God. God bless you. Those online. God bless you. Right on. Thanks for your honesty. Pray this right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I'll pray for You. Holy Spirit, come and touch Your people. Lord, I pray that You would put upon each and every one
1: a revelation
0: and an anointing, a deep desire to have communion with You, to abide. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for those who are In the clutches of temptation of the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion. I rebuke the devourer now off of their lives. Command every decree of hell to be broken in the name of Jesus. Suicide, go! Depression, loose your hold. Hopelessness and despair. Anxiety. a number of people struggling with anxiety. Anxiety go. Peace, come. Perfect peace. Guard their hearts and minds as they pray. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and petition. Make your requests known to God. Come upon us, Lord, with a spirit of prayer. Stir up your people. Quicken them. Strengthen them. And help them. We thank you. Come on, if you know it. Let's pray it. Our Father, all together who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you take someone by the hand tonight? You can overcome. I got one amen. Let me see if I can get a couple more. You can overcome. Try it again. You can overcome. Amen. Amen. You can. Pull the escape hatch, baby. Push the eject. Pray one for another, won't you? Come on, pray for the your person on your right, person on your left. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. Move in power, God. Even the remaining part of this week. Be glorified, be magnified. Lord, because you overcame... You said, be of good cheer, be of good courage. I've overcome the world. Lord, we are more than conquerors. We can overcome every one of these temptations and walk holy and blameless before You. Because You you give us the power to do that. You send supernatural help. Lord, a release of supernatural help, I pray now. Lord, and angels being released at Your Word. In the name of Jesus, to help those who are struggling as they call out on You. Strengthen them with might in their inner being. Cause cause our hearts to be steadfast and wholly dedicated and devoted to you. I thank you that you're doing that for this entire generation. We give you praise and glory in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.